It's time to talk fantasy, maybe a little cram session for those of you having late drafts, some DFS for week one, getting ready for the 2023 fantasy season with today's special guest coming up on Peacock and Williamson. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Appreciate all of the everydayers out there. We have a very special guest, Casey Joyner, with us today. Uh, more on that in a minute, talking fantasy football. But first, I want to let everybody know out, uh, out there that today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL or enter promo code LockedOnNFL for a water bottle with any order. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, the football scientist, Casey Joyner. You can find him on Twitter, Casey Joiner TFS, uh, contributor at The Athletic. And uh, Casey, Matt, you go. You guys go back a little while talking about this fantasy football thing. Sure do. Casey, I mean, we were ESPN quite a bit together. I know we did a lot of fantasy stuff. And frankly, I think you were into analytics before just about anybody I know besides football outsiders. So you're sort of one of the OGs in the analytic world. Uh, Tell everyone about your background and how we know each other. Uh, Well, background is uh, back in 2000, actually it'd be uh, uh, 20 years this year, 2003, I quit my job and decided to write about football or try to do some analytics (laughs) stuff as a big Bill James fan and uh, wrote a book and Dr. Z liked it and it started my career. And I started writing at ESPN shortly after that. Uh, In fact, uh, funny you mentioned football outsiders. When I wrote my first book before Dr. Z had did his article, Aaron Schatz was the third person to buy my book. But by the time uh, wow. Dr. Z's article came out, I only had three people bought the book, and Schatz was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Very cool. Wow. And, and then Dr. Z did the article. It kind of that kind of broke things, and uh, we got a bunch of stuff. But uh, yeah, you and I started working and stuff at ESPN. I mean, it was early on it, it, during the days there, and uh, it was uh, yeah. Because I'll say to give you an idea how far back I go. When I started in fantasy football, I wrote about uh, uh, targets as a metric for receivers. Okay. People that didn't know what that con- was. That was considered cutting edge. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Targets. Who's done this? I'm like, yeah, you got to put it in perspective, guys. Yeah, that, that's how far back. That's amazing. Pioneering <laughs> stuff that uh, we take for granted today, talking about target share around the NFL. Uh, and actually, that that is a perfect segue to one of my first questions and uh, one of your latest at The Athletic. Um it was it's it's the the article is entitled the football scientists do not draft list and there's a number of names on here one that stands out a player that i love as a breakout player and a lot of people do it's why he's getting drafted really high that's green bay packers wide receiver christian watson has all the physical ability in the world big play ability but is it that target share that makes you think he's maybe overvalued with his adp right now in fantasy drafts yeah, that's the thing. The uh, article does say that you do not draft, but the caveat is where they're at in ADP. Like I've got them drafted. Don't say say do not draft as a low end wide receiver too, because I just think there's 
that's too too rich for my blood for him. That's about where he was last year. He's got the quarterback downgrade. That's going to be a big part of it. But I had to triple check this metric just to make sure. I'm like, this can't be right, but it was. Over the course of his five-year college and pro career, so four years at North Dakota State and one year with the Packers, Christian Watson's caught a total of 146 passes. <laughs> In five seasons, 146 wow. for his whole college and pro career. And the idea that he's going to step up to be a, a workhorse receiver, it might happen. But he last year he had hamstring, hip, and ankle injuries and suffered a concussion. I just question the guy's durability. And in my rankings and, and what I do for fantasy, I'm always I'm like NFL scouts when it comes to to injuries. I don't want to see him. If I if I see a player who has a lot of injury issues or is continually hurt, I'm like, yep, that player is going to get severely downgraded because. If, you know, if, they, if they're not out there or they can't produce, then they're giving you goose eggs and they're not any good for your roster. So I just I don't think you can draft Christian Watson as a low end wide receiver two and get the value that you're going to put in the draft. So I have a lot of players to bring up as well. But first off, I want to pump your draft guide. It's really, really good. The football scientist 2023 fantasy football draft guide. I'm looking at it as we speak. Everyone should go get it. Even if you already had your draft, there's tons of information in here. But Casey, you got a couple Cool categories I'd let you kind of explain, which I think is obviously very important for your ranks, and I think injuries factor into them. But you have an upside rank, a downside rank, a matchup points number, and then a fireworks points number. What exactly are those? The uh, the story on uh, upside and downside grades, back in 2015, I was writing about Carson Palmer, and <clears throat> I was doing the analysis. and You have been doing this a while. Yeah, and I looked at and I thought, you know what, I, I wanted to rank him high, but there are so many reasons not to. And I had to pick between the two. And I said, OK, we're rank him low, you know, kind of pick the low side here. And then he had a really good season. I kind of kicked myself like I don't have a system here that can tell people, OK, I'm going to rank him kind of low. But you know what? He does have this sort of upside if you play for it. So I started grading players on the spectrum. So now it's overall upside and downside grades to say if things go really well, here's what I think the grade's going to be. If uh, if things go poorly, this is what it is. And eh, I'm going to meet in the middle and get the overall grades um matchup points it measures your matchup uh like if you're a receiver it measures the cornerbacks you're going to face if you're a quarterback it measures the the strength not of the the defense as a whole but as of the matchups for all your receivers and 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 your tight end and if you're a uh, running back then it's the level of the rush defense you're going to face and it expresses those in a one to 100 scale with 100 being best uh fireworks points is the likelihood that you're going to get into a lot of high scoring games. I do it on a weekly basis for my start to subscribers, but okay. of course, like C- I'm looking at my homes. He's a hundred firework points. Like that's yep. as good as it gets. I assume. Yeah. Yep. Cause that that's because if you look at, um, I do these um, matchup charts in the guide too. And, if you look at Kansas City in their fireworks points, it's how many times are they going to face a team that could get into a high-scoring game with them? You know, to where Kansas City is a high-scoring offense anyway, but like week one against the Lions, and 54 points in the over-under. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's it's, it's the biggest of the week. So I've got that in Jacksonville and Minnesota and the Chargers and the Eagles and the Bills and the Bengals and the Chargers again. So all those matchups could be high-scoring, and I grade all the quarterbacks on that and then just, like I said, rate it on 100 scale. Okay, very cool. I, I that Kansas City offense is super interesting to me. How are you treating the receivers outside of Kelsey? Is it just draft Kelsey and don't worry about the rest of the guys? Are you watch listing Richie James? Uh, are you trying to find Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice in your drafts? How are you treating the rest of that Kansas City offense? Because someone's going to have huge value, it would seem like. I just wrote an article for the Athletic. It's going to go out the next day or so. One of the things that uh, I mentioned was to look up Mark. Look up for look out. Excuse me, words. Or Marquez Valdez Scantling, 
because last year he posted very good numbers like he did in Kansas City when it came to vertical and stretch vertical PPR points per game. And that's uh, on production on passes thrown 11 yards downfield and 20 yards downfield, respectively. He's very good in that sense. And that's why they brought him in is to, is to do those short passes. And I think he's going to have some early season value as they start to work these younger receivers in. Maybe if you ask me that same question in week 14, they might have incorporated them in by the time. I've looked at the first week of the season. If I'm trying to get a low-cost share of the Kansas City offense, I might go in his direction for a time and then shift gears as the season progresses. Okay, quick quarterback question. So I think the consensus, and you have them in this way too, are – Allen hurts Mahomes in any order, that they're kind of the tier one guys this year. But you and I slightly disagree. I have Lamar as the clear four, kind of knocking on the door as a tier one guy, where you have Lamar down at seven, and you have Burrow higher than I do at four. Why is that? I'm just curious. Is the Lamar injury stuff bother you? Uh, Lamar's injury stuff bothers me in that Baltimore keeps talking about trying to pass the ball more often. and. Mm -hmm. Last year, per uh, True Media, uh, Lamar Jackson averaged 0.4 fantasy points per pass play and 0.83 fantasy points per rush play. So 0.83 when he rushes, 0.4 when he passes. <coughs> Excuse me. If you start switching 30, 40 passes for him, if you start taking 30, 40 plays, running plays when you make them passes, hmm. yeah, you know, I don't like that trade-off, generally speaking. And he doesn't have very good receiving core either. And, in fact, uh, his uh, people talk about Odo Beckham Jr., I, I read some – I read an analysis this offseason where somebody touted Odell Beckham. This is a major publication. I won't mention who, but major publication says, all pro receiver Odell Beckham Jr. I'm like, yeah, all pro like 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> and OBJ averaged 6.5 yards per target with the Rams in his last season. That's the last time he's been out there. That was the worst yards per target of his career. And I'm like, this guy is not an impact maker. I don't want Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. He wants to throw the ball. He said he might throw for 6,000 yards. I don't want to see that. And on a, fa and on a fantasy perspective, I think it's going to be a bad trade-off from the rush to the pass, and it's going to reduce his value. As far as Burrow goes, he was a blue-rated quarterback. That's uh, uh, the, the term in the draft guide for an elite-rated quarterback. Uh, that calf injury bothers me, but uh, I think that he's got the capacity to, <laughs> excuse me, post 350 or more points. And a quick note of quarterbacks, by the way, 12 quarterbacks last year scored 270 or more points. You that, That's kind of the floor you have to be mm -hmm. at anymore to get a QB1 in fantasy. You have to be at least at 270. I mean, that, that didn't used to be the case five, six, seven years ago. But right now, that's what it is in the, in the quarterback ranking. It's an, it's an arms race, and you better have 270, or else you're going to be behind every week. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's more, more scientific <laughs> than my analysis. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no guy for sure. Um, more on some of those quarterbacks, maybe some sleepers in your fantasy football leagues, maybe, maybe some season long strategy as well. If your draft has been over and done for your fantasy football season in 2023, coming up with Casey Joyner next. Today's episode of Peacock and Williamson is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I love my Bird Dogs shorts and my Bird Dogs pants. I got the liner. You can get liners in your pants and shorts from Bird Dogs. I got the liner in my shorts. And I did it because I love the way these shorts fit. And I love that I can do just about anything in these shorts. I can take them to work. I can uh, go out to lunch with friends. I can go golfing in them. I can hang out by the pool. I can go to a workout. Uh, I can just lounge around, can do work in my bird dogs. Nothing better than uh, bird dogs while you're while you're podcasting. It's so comfortable, and uh, you you know you can take them to any occasion. And then my my long bird dogs pants are awesome because they're the perfect like go from work 
professional setting to the golf course. They stretch in all the right ways. And Bird Dog's uh, stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you that truly sculpted look. It's the same with the, the long pants from Bird Dog's. And they fit way better than, than regular shorts or pants that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. That ability to stretch all the directions you need them to is perfect, and it can give you that slimmer look without being uncomfortable. And they have the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And so you can get yourself a pair of Bird Dogs and a free gift. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL or enter promo code LockedOnNFL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order a uh, yeti style uh, tumbler of a water bottle and it's a fantastic bottle with some fantastic pants from bird dogs that's birddogs.com slash locked on nfl for a free water bottle at checkout you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you all right bringing the boys back in here for a little fantasy football conversation um with the quarterbacks casey is Justin Fields, your fantasy replacement for Lamar, if that production starts to dip in the rushing category, where do you see a player like Justin Fields who has the running ability and can put up fantasy points even if he's not throwing darts in the passing game, but now he has a better offensive line. Now he has a better uh, number one receiver to throw to. Can we expect that jump from Justin Fields, not only from a wins-losses perspective from the Bears, but as a fantasy producer as well? Yeah, in my latest uh, update for my draft guide subscribers, I just sent this out a couple of days ago. Uh, in fact, probably less than 48 hours ago. Um, Fields is now fourth on the quarterback list. He's getting 89.8 overall grade, which 90 is when you hit the blue rated categories. He's right on the precipice. What I like about it is, yeah, I do like the addition of the receivers. Uh, he needs short pass up short pass production upgrades because he was 31st in short pass points per game last year. It's something that but it, that's the area you should be able to prove fairly easily. Um also, in his matchup points total, he's at an 88 out of 100. Again, 100 being best. So that's from a passing perspective. And the Bears have the most favorable rush defense schedule in the league this year. It's why I'm sold on Bears backs as far as being late round picks and, and such, Bears running backs. So I think Fields, yeah, he's he's fourth on my list. And if I had to pick somebody, I'd rather have him than Jackson. If you ask me that question straight up, like, okay, which one would you prefer to have? I would definitely rather have uh, fields because he's going to run the ball more. Jackson's getting kind of getting tired of running the ball. Fields is not yet, and he's got a much more favorable schedule. Wow, interesting. Wow. So you mentioned running backs. I have Bijan as my three, and I went so far as to take him fifth overall in my home draft over the weekend. It looks like you more or less put your stamp of approval on that. But before the Jonathan Taylor craziness, you were very, very high on him at four. I'm curious what your thoughts are on both those guys now as it stands. At Robinson, the thing about Robinson is, uh, I, I mean, I like him as a, a, a rusher, and uh, uh, Atlanta had Atlanta had a 43.4% rate in my good blocking rate metric last year. That measures how often an offensive Can I stop gets... you real quick, Casey? Because sure, we're sure. doing this via YouTube, and we didn't tell you any of these – you know, names ahead of time. Do you just know these numbers off the top of your head? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have that, a feeling you might. <laughs> on that one, I happen to just scroll okay. over to my draft guide, but yeah. <laughs> you might I'll, even be wrong, and I wouldn't call you out, but it's pretty good. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah, a lot of, a lot of these ones, yeah, I, I do have them as go-to metrics, so. Okay. Uh, Bijan and Taylor, sorry. Yeah, Bijan. Uh, Bijan, 43.4% good blocking rate. That measures how often an offensive blocking wall gives its ball carriers quality run blocking. Really important metric because if you get good run blocking, 
you get 1.2 points per play uh, on average league-wide. And if you don't get good run blocking, you're getting 0.2 points per play. So you're six times as productive on plays when you get good run blocking. So my cat is coming over to say hello. i got to step away here. Mine does it all the time. Yep. Um, So 43 and 4, it's really good. That's before they uh, they, – I know they've got some injuries on their line, but I think they'll be okay. I like that for Robinson. Also, by the way, he's the all-time – leader at texas in running back receiving touchdowns and he's third in that program in uh, uh all-time running back receiving yards so he's going to be yeah. getting past and catching passes too so i really like him taylor uh, i'm still i'm yeah, in my latest rankings i've got taylor dropped down to uh i mean he's dropped down to to, to 27 because you just can't sure, miss sure. four games I might like it better if he goes somewhere else because the Colts offensive line didn't block too well. The matchup points for the Colts is 27 over the course of the full season. So <clears throat> if he were to get traded somewhere, I think that actually might be a, a big plus to him because he get to get, uh, be, you know, get some more favorable situations there. But right now, yeah, I've got him as a borderline RB2, RB3. Just you can't miss four games and not have that really impact no, your no. fantasy value. Uh, there's a sort of another player along the lines of Jonathan Taylor who's getting bad news going into the season. It's not clear how much or if any time that's looking like week one is pretty doubtful for Cooper Cup. Can you make me feel better and some of the listeners out there that might have drafted Cooper Cup in the middle of the first round in their leagues? Can you make them feel better about that uh, that draft pick at this point? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> <to> be honest, <laughs> I hate to say. I, as mentioned, yeah. I really downgrade players if they have injury issues, and he's uh, one of them. Um, the problem is, is that uh, Cup has caught more than seventy-five passes this season only twice, and he's tallied fewer than a thousand receiving yards in four of his six NFL seasons. Durability issues are just built mm-hmm. in for this guy, and everybody thinks that he did that one great year, and he did a great one great year. Uh, but by the way, taking that one great season that he had, I did an analysis for the Athletic last year. Jerry Rice had a season of that caliber only one time in his career, and he wasn't able to replicate it. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if Jerry Rice couldn't replicate that season, why am I going to think Cooper Cup can? And the other thing, the problem for Cup is I mentioned that matchup points total. He's got a matchup points total of one, the toughest cornerback uh, schedule in the league. And I know it's wow. Cooper Cup, and if he plays, it's still there. But if you're comparing him to the other top receivers, like, okay, that's why I'm, I've got him fifth on the board, and I still – I in the draft that I have him, I've got him ranked – <clears throat> fifth on that board, actually seventh in my in my latest latest rankings. Um, I might take him at seven, but I actually I probably wouldn't. I'd rather have a CD Lamb. I'd rather have a Devontae Adams. I'd probably rather have even a Garrett Wilson because I just don't like players who have injuries. I tend to avoid them at, at all cost in drafts if I can. So Derrick Henry is a guy I keep looking at thinking injuries are bound to come. The workload. I know he's not built like anyone in recent memory, but he takes more of a pounding than anyone. He's a focal point of every defense. I think their O-line might be the worst in the league. Is it time to get out on Derrick Henry or just keep churning with them as long as you can do it? The problem I have with them, and I, I've been writing about this uh, wrote the last couple of years, it became a theme in the weekly article series right for the Athletic every Monday morning, um, is the Titans just don't seem to have any idea of load management. The idea that, mm-hmm. that, that, hey, we should consider trying to maybe take some of the load off this guy, they that's been foreign to them. They they, they had a point – there was a point uh, two years ago where he was on pace to have over 500 touches in the season. Nobody's ever – done that and of course we gave that's when he got injured but they kept doing it i'm writing about this in like week four like guys they're giving him 30 plus touches per game every single game they don't that's because he was all their offense if, if he didn't have it if what he didn't get to uh, move the offense nothing did so i think the titans are going to continue to do that but 
Uh, Spears might be somebody who you might want to get this year because of that. It's a very uh, low-cost handcuff, but I probably would. Uh, I don't want Henry in my, most of my leagues either because I'm concerned about, like you say, the state of the offensive line. You know, your good blocking was poor, and I expect it to be poor this year. But that's the big thing, too. They just don't know what load management means, and even Henry's uh, not immune to that. All right, next, guys, we got to get into a subject that is every fantasy football player's favorite subject. That is the all-important sleepers. Are there any secret league winners out there? Maybe some players you should target in trade early in the season in your fantasy football leagues. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Some very special offers right now from FanDuel for new and existing customers. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed, no matter if that first $5 bet wins or loses at America's number one sports book. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And there are season-long props. There are... Uh, weekly props there are spreads of course throughout the entire season you can bet on week 17 right now if you want at FanDuel of course Super Bowl winners and tons of specials that pop up every day as well as building your own parlays on a website and an app that is safe and super easy to use so now is the best time to join FanDuel visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss FanDuel official partner of the NFL all right, getting back into the the topic of sleepers, Casey, and I don't know how you want to lay this out. Do you have a list of sleepers that you like the most? Is there one guy you're drafting everywhere that you think could be that league winner this year? Um, I can't say. This is one of those odd years where I, I don't. There aren't players like a, a, who's the number one pick in the draft and things or things that nature. This seems to be an odd year for that because there's a lot of. Um, I don't see players who are really super strong sleepers. Having said that, what I've been telling fantasy managers this year is this is a year where, at least in drafts that I've seen and mocks I've seen and uh, mocks I've been in, in fact, drafts I've recently been in, this is a year where you still want to get your top running backs early. But if you're looking at roster building, how you want to structure your roster, I'm finding that there's tons more running back value later in drafts in the mid round, mid to late rounds of drafts than there is at other, re- other positions. Uh, wide receiver, it tends to thin out a lot more quickly, but at running back, I'm finding you can get David Montgomery later in drafts. I'm finding you can get DeAndre Swift later in drafts. Finding you can get Isaiah Pacheco. By the way, the the, the Chiefs, I do that good blocking rate metric. They were second in the league last year in good blocking rate. And the other teams around them were a lot of them. It was Chicago and it was team, uh, team, uh, Philadelphia teams that uh, have uh, do a lot of read option plays. And those tend to have very high good blocking rate percentages. Kansas City doesn't do a lot of that. I mean, they'll you know, do a little bit of running with Mahomes, but not that much. They don't want him getting hit the ground game. So they've got a fantastic run blocking offense. So I like those picks. And I, I, there's a number of uh, backs. In fact, I've been telling people in an article I just wrote for The Athletic is going to come out. I believe it's going to post it tomorrow morning. Uh, Zach Charbonnet. I can't understand. I know he's third on the Seahawks depth chart. I get that. But Pete Carroll has ignored depth charts before. I don't think he really takes them that seriously. And I, Ken Walker has been injured before. Ken Walker led the league in good blocking yards for 10th last year. Fantastic breakaway back. I like his upside, but 
I think it's Charbonnet right now being well, being where he is on the depth chart and things I think, and where he's going in ADP, I think that it can end up being a platoon setup in that offense, a little thunder and lightning platoon. He was somebody that if you don't have him on your roster, I would definitely trade for him. If you have Walker on your roster, you definitely want to get him on your roster. Cause I think Walker's probably not going to play a full 17 game slate. And I want Charbonnet there if he doesn't. It's funny. You brought up Charbonnet and, you know, just running back depth in general, because the two drafts I did over the weekend, are the ones I care most about. And my roster building was almost identical, where I took a back high and then I waited and waited. And I ended up with a lot of rookie backs. Like, I'm not talking Bijan and Gibbs. Like, those guys were long gone. But Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Spears, who you mentioned. I adore Bigsby. I love Roshan Johnson. And you kind of helped me with that, with that Bears conversation you had. Even Chase Brown and Evan Hull. Like, these mid-round backs... By week 10 or so, they're going to be the next Pacheco. Yeah. Uh, I'll, Chase Brown, the interesting thing, Joe Mixon, I mentioned the good blocking yards per attempt category. 8.2 was the league average this year. It's usually around eight yards. He's been below league average by oh, the last terrible. six years. He's, yeah, he, he looks terrible. No breakaway. Dot. He's, but it's been a long-term trend thing. It's not just even this past year. Five of the past six years, he's not a breakaway back. Chase Brown led the Big Ten in rushes of 10-plus yards last year. So thinking if you're the Bengals – Okay, might not be long. Yeah, it might not be long, and let's get some, at least to say let's maybe turn it platoon or something in that year. Okay, fine, maybe we can't put him in in every situation, but want some breakaway ability? Let's get some in there because you're not getting you. It's not just not getting mixed in now. You haven't been getting it for a while. It's time to start giving it to somebody else. That's why they went with P Ryan some last year, mm-hmm. and I think they'll do some of the same with uh, Brown. Does uh, does the addition of Zeke Elliott and just knowing the the past of the New England Patriots because Ramondre Stevenson is a player that you know you kind of waiting for him to to get the role all to himself he gets the role all to himself and then the Patriots add a you know a big name running back and just seeing the Patriots run game year after year after year it's always a committee uh, is is Ramondre Stevenson someone that if you have on your roster you might think about trading away and and at his height in value or do you think this might be the year where it's actually just a a straight number one running back for the new England Patriots in Ramondre Stevenson. I think that Belichick, if you look at his history, in fact, he said this publicly that he likes healthy running backs that he doesn't (laughs) want to put a back in the game. Who's too banged up. He said, Hey, if the guy's banged up, he's not going to be productive. Wise coaches do that. And he's one of them. Um, I list backs. And when I divide their, uh, when I look at their running back of their rushing volume, or they're actually their workload volume. It's bell cow, lead alternate, platoon, and then pure committee where you're splitting up among multiple players. I don't think Ramondre will be a bell cow. I don't think they'll go pure committee because Ramondre is a much better breakaway threat than Zeke. Zeke last year, <clears throat> I mentioned uh, a good blocking yards per temp metric. Elliott was 40th out of 44 qualifying backs in that category last year. Second straight year, he's not done well. And Stevenson at a 9.3 GBYPA, which ranked ninth. So Stevenson has breakaway ability. And Stevenson can, can run the ball at the goal line. He counted for 58.3% of Newman's carries in that area of the uh, field last year. So I think he's going to be the goal line back. He's the breakaway back. I think they work in Zeke as an alternate back and say we're going to use him in certain situations just to, you know, we don't have to use Ramondre all the time. But I think Ramondre is still the guy. And in, in my rankings, I have that baked into Ramondre Stevenson's value. I say it's a lead alternate, and I've got him ranked 12th in my latest running back charts in non-PPR. So uh, I think Zeke is there, and he'll, he'll be a situational player. But I don't think he's going to be – I don't think he's going to turn into a platoon. As long as he doesn't do that, Stevenson's fine to keep. 
So I'm going to stick in that division with the Jets running backs. I loved what Brees Hall did last year. You mentioned Mixon is underperforming. Just the eyeball test, I think Cook's starting to slip. What are you doing with those two? Yeah, actually, funny. I had a draft last night and took uh, took both of them. <laughs> it's my Did you? Yep. I got Hall and I ended up going Dalvin just because he was there. I'm like, well, okay, I need a second back and I'll get somebody else. I agree with you on Dalvin, though, uh, as far as the metrics go for his good blocking yards per attempt. Um, he's not done quite as well. He did. He's 8.5 last year. It's better than the league average, but it's not, you know, I mean, if, if you're not at okay, nine, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, and the Jets were 29th in good blocking rate last year. And I, their blockers look bad this year. I mean, there was already the, the rumor that they were, oh, let's trade for Bakhtiari and things that they're already wanting to upgrade their line. So I worry about that for them, but, and they'll get plenty of value there. If I'm getting either one of them, though, mention uh, is another thing from the athletic article tomorrow. If I have either Cook or I've got Hall and I don't have both, I want to get Michael Carter. I just have a feeling that one of these guys is going to get hurt. They're both, uh, I'm talking on cook. They've both been injured. I want to get Michael Carter as a backup for them because I have a feeling they're not going to turn this into a committee, but if those two backs are banged up, you know, uh, 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 steam with the shoulder and all's coming off the ACL, if they get hurt, I don't think they're going to hesitate and say, Hey, we've got a third back in here. Let's put him in there for a few games or, you know, over the course of the season to take some pressure off these other guys. Wouldn't be surprised to see that. Sticking with the Jets, last one here is uh, I've said this and I kind of said it willy nilly just as a again, like Matt was talking earlier, vibes. It's a vibe take, not a not a football scientist sort of a take. But I'm I'm watching Aaron Rodgers and just seeing his renewed vibe there in New York. And we know he's MVP caliber guy. And just the dip in production last year makes me feel like he's a screaming bargain in any of your fantasy football leagues to the point where I was like, hey, remember when? Peyton Manning had that 50 touchdown season all of a sudden in Denver when everybody <laughs> thought he was cooked. Could Aaron Rodgers be that guy this year? I could be, but I'm looking at some of the factors going, okay, uh, Rodgers doesn't run the ball anymore. He was 29th in quarterback rush points per game last year. He failed to post 100 rushing yards in the season for the first time since 2007. So I don't think he wants to run the ball. They don't want to run the ball. Never a big thing, but you could always you can kind of scramble and get a little, you know, add some points there. And I think that marginal addition's gone. Um, they've got four red-rated pass rushing matchups. That's uh, unfavorable pass rushing matchups in the first six weeks of the season. So I'm a little concerned about that. Only 35 matchup points. A little concerned about that. And, uh, you know, last year, Zach Wilson finished 30th in vertical points per game and 28th in stretch vertical points per game. And, you know, that's it. some of that goes on him. But honestly, when you're finishing that badly, some of that might go on the pass catchers, too. And I just wonder if they're if those pass catchers aren't playing at quite the level they should. So I'm looking at all of it and I can see the upgrade. I can see I can see like, OK, this could be a really good season for Rodgers. But I have a feeling they're going to be a run centric team, too. They want to have just good quarterback and play to go with a run centric team and what could be a really good defense. So I'm still sitting on Rodgers as a borderline qb1 uh, i just I, I could buy the, the the spike but he's on a team i don't think it's going to feature him the way that uh that would be necessary for him to hit that kind of uh peak casey this, this is awesome I, I got one last thing for you and um brian's a niner guy i'm a Steeler guy as you know but from what <laughs> i recall you're pretty high on brandon Ayuk this year right I am high on, on, on okay, Ayuk more okay. than yep more than most. Uh, a lot of good reason, a lot of reasons to like him. Um, uh, last year, he's obviously set a career high in targets and receptions. Last year, he was tied for the league lead in short pass receiving touchdowns, and he he posted ten or more points in. 
10 or more PPR points in nine of the final 12 games of the season. I think they'll keep that going. And Brock Purdy, by the way, if you look at Purdy's metrics, I mean, Purdy, if you prorate what he did in the last, uh, his five starts last year, over the course of 17 game seasons, 313 points. It would be, uh, I think, fifth among quarterbacks last year. I mean, this is, this is a very powerful offense, and I think they'll feature Ayuk a lot. I'm, I'm a little bit more down on Debo than most. I think at least he's got a lower floor than most think because for a variety of reasons. But Ayuk is, I think he's the percentage guy in that offense. Okay. Ayuk was the uh, star of training camp as well for the 49ers this year. The, the talent is absolutely there. Will that, will that all important target share be there for Brandon Ayuk? Is the only question. I have uh, fantastic stuff, Casey. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell the folks out there how to find your draft guide? I can find my draft guide at thefootballscientist.com. It is nearly 200 player uh, deep dive player write-ups, insanely detailed matchup charts, and uh, mentioned uh, all those uh, uh, the matchup charts the entire season. You can get that in the draft guide leading into the season. I also have a paid start sit service where I update those draft guides or update those start sit charts all throughout the season. So you can find that at thefootballscientist.com. Good stuff. Fantastic stuff. Uh, thanks again, KC. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen. Matt and I back tomorrow. Get those mailbag questions in for us on that Wednesday episode at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL on Twitter. And, of course, you can drop a comment on YouTube. Talk to you next time right here, Peacock and Williamson.